0: You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com.
1: Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young.
2: Good Saturday morning to all of you out there. It is 757 Saturday Sports Talk powered by Larry King Law here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I am Matt Hatfield. We've got A.J. Risser other side of the glass. Uh, the coach, Ed Young, will join us here in just a second. I do believe we both are back from our travels last week calling the state championship games on the NFHS network. we got some state champions to talk to you about a little bit later on the show. And you might hear from some of them in the coming weeks when we have a full show today. Abbreviated for just an hour until 11 when it is much Madness NCAA tournament coverage th- through our friends at Westwood One. How's your bracket looking? Have you done this already? Have you balled the thing up and thrown it in the wastebasket? No, mine's perfect right here, AJ. I got a brand spank. Look at this. Spotless. No red X's. Nice nice. I mean, people can't see it out there in Radio Land, but I don't have a single red X on this bracket. You know why? Why is that? Because I printed it up this morning. That's <laughs> yeah. why. No red X's. But uh, let's bring in a man who's not sure what day it is. I think he I think he called yesterday and nobody picked up. He may not have called today. We called him. We say good morning to, I think it's Ed Young out there. Are you there, Coach?
3: I am here. I'm ready to roll. I was ready
2: yesterday. I was
3: excited. I'm calling the station. I called the police because nobody was answering. Ooh. And I was told it was Friday.
0: He was told it was Friday. Have All you right. already been to church this Sunday morning?
3: Um, no, because I wrote down in crayon on here <laughs> that today is Saturday, so I got till tomorrow.
2: All right. How's your bracket looking, by the way?
3: My bracket is fantastic. I think I've lost two games so far.
0: <laughs> oh, I, bet, I know five, which two five. they are. I know which two they are. I feel like I'm going to be hitting that a lot today. Well, and you
2: know what? Uh, we don't have the – you have to go back and listen to last week's show we did, which is on the podcast page on uh, – ESPN Radio 941.com. It's up there. You can also find it on our Twitter page. We link it it out on 757 Sports Talk, where you said Purdue was made of glass. Boy, was that ever true last night. The fifth loss to a double-digit seed in the NCAA tournament for Matt Painter and the Boilermakers. How terrible was that? But let's give a shout-out to our guys that have marched on, including the last guest we had on last week's show. Who would have thought they would not only as a dog beat Texas Southern, who they handled in their – Play in first four game, if you will, where they smacked him around 84 to 61. But Fairleigh Dickinson University, we know about Tobin Anderson, has become the toast of the town, the darling of this tournament. The 16 seeds are now just 2 and 150 all time. Virginia's off the hook for a couple of reasons. Number one, they had that terrible finish to their game, which we'll get to in the round of 64 where they were beaten in stunning fashion. Kihei Clark with a turnover and a three late as Furman. The Paladins shocked UVA 68-67. But the Boilermakers, they lose round of 64 to 13 seed North Texas. They lose Sweet 16 last year to 15-seed St. Peter's. I'm going to get something that Matt Painter said that was absolutely stupid that I found out from a good source. And then they lose last night to Fairleigh Dickinson after going on an 11-0 run, up six. They blowed a game. They spit a bit. No shot attempts for the 7-4 monster Zach Eady the last nine minutes of the game. Oh, by the way, this is the smallest team in the tournament, in the entire tournament. But shout-out to our guys moving on. We've got uh, several of them, players as well as some coaches. Jack Castleberry came on the show last week, Ed. You know we Zoomed with them uh, while we were doing some of our state basketball coverage for the NFHS Network. Cape Henry, collegiate grad, Virginia Beach native. His dad, John Castleberry, people know for many years, broadcasting all kinds of games. Tides, baseball, ODU basketball, and so much more here on this station, 94.1. But how about Jack and Fairley Dickinson moving on to the round of 32 to take on Dusty May and FAU, who stunned Penny Hardaway. I love that last night. Two favorite things for me in this tournament. Number one, Kevin Keats going down. Take that, Kevin Keats. And number two, Penny Hardaway going down. But how crazy was that game?
3: Yeah, that that was back and forth with, with uh, Florida Atlantic and Memphis. I think in my bracket, I did go, of course, I, I did about, like everybody else, 10, 12 brackets. And I think I picked Florida Atlantic in a couple. But overall, I, I would have went with Memphis, thinking they're just a little bit better. But not not last night. It, it's been crazy the games that were close decided by a point or two. And of course the upsets and I, I got to feel fairly Dickinson right now is the darlings of it because they won the play in. And then there's no way I, and any, I could have done a million brackets. I don't think I picked fairly Dickinson to beat Purdue in any of them, even though I'm not a Purdue faithful. I think they were the weakest of the number one teams. Fairly Dickinson is an extremely small team talent. I know Tobin, um, from his days at five-star camp when I was there, he was a young, Do you? uh, up-and-coming coach. Yeah, Was he
2: last year, Ed, tell me if I'm wrong. I believe I saw uh, former Potomac coach Keith Honore tweet this out last night. Was he at St. Thomas Aquinas last night? that's what yeah. Jack said, too. Yeah, Division two, right?
3: Long-time St. Thomas. He's, yeah. he's kind of a young guy, but on the other hand, he got the St. Thomas job. He was an assistant for a few years, I think two or three years. Got the St. Thomas job. He was there for a bit. Um, I think he's in his, I want to say his late 30s maybe, early 40s, if not younger, probably younger. Um, a, a meticulous worker. I remember at Five Star Camp, um, a very meticulous worker and uh, uh, a, st- a real student to the game. We would talk to a lot of the veteran coaches. We had conversation. Of course, I was you know, just a high school coach, but we'd have a lot of conversations on substituting. I remember talking about substitution with him. And uh, you know, picking a squad, how you pick a high school team, stuff of that nature. Now, he has done a great job, which means now he will become the hot candidate for some openings that are coming up. Right. Um, and and he will not be at, at, at very similar to Holloway um, last year at St. Peter's. True. Um, small school, and then Seton Hall came up, which is his alma mater, and boom, mm-hmm. he gets selected real quick. Um, same thing with McOwen; he'll be up for from some situations. But, you know, the that upset was ridiculous, and the one that, once again, I would have wrote 100 brackets, I would have never picked him, Princeton knocking off Arizona. Yeah, how about that
2: the the 15th seed, the Princeton Tigers from the Ivy League knocking out Zona, who a lot of people had in Final Four. Jay Billis had to win the whole kit and caboodle, the national championship, in fact, as Zona spit to bit, missed her last 10 shots from the field. I don't want really to hear about how Tommy Lloyd's this up-and-coming genius guru coach either, as they were terrible down the stretch in their game, but real quick, back on the Philly Dickinson Purdue game for a second. So happy for Jack, who I believe has the uh, scout. I actually reached out to Jack about coming on the show, but he's getting ready for the scout against FAU in the round of 32. And you can hear all of it right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 through the whip around coverage with our friends at Westwood. One coming up at the top of the hour. You know, Ed. I think this was a much bigger shocker than UVA losing to UMBC five years ago for a couple reasons. Number one, UMBC, which had a hot coaching commodity, and Dave Odom's son, Ryan, who's moved on from UMBC as the Retrievers pulled that center 74 to 54 five years ago. UMBC shot 50% from the field. Actually, they shot 54.2% from the field in that game, 50% from three with 12 makes from deep. In this game, it wasn't so much that Fro Dickinson played out of its mind. They only shot 38.7%, 7 of 23 from three, They actually had a stretch where they missed about six, seven shots in a row and still maintained the lead, whereas Purdue was just egregious down the stretch. They had guys intimidated, afraid to shoot, which was crazy and baffling given their massive, imposing size advantage. And we've seen this from Matt Painter all year long. We've talked about it before in the show. They force-feed the big guy. They don't run offense. They stand around. They don't drive and attack. They get out of whack, and it was never more evident than last night. How about this? Got this from a good source. Apparently, last year, when he was talking to one of the, I believe, coaches from St. Peter's about, oh, you got us, you guys get your rings, out, stuff, apparently, Matt Painter made the proclamation that, well, I hope you got Jay Nivy one because he was the flashy lottery pick guard who's now with the Pistons, who he was pinning the loss on. Who was he blaming the loss on last night? This is the third time you've lost to a double-digit seed, my friend, and uh, yeah, we shared the same first name but this is unacceptable and unforgivable to lose that game to a team that was a dog in its first four game with Texas Southern and only got in because Merrimack was not eligible for the tournament for beating them in the conference championship. Insane.
3: Yeah, yeah. Fairly Dickinson's story is crazy. They lost 15 games. They don't really they, – they've been around a long time, but they don't have a great tradition in basketball, but they've had decent players or whatever, but not not strong. They get in conference tournament and play Merrimack who's, who's under the uh, NCAA stupid NCAA rule that as you transition into division one, it takes three to four years. So you can play in the tournament, your um, conference tournament, but you, if you win, you can't go to the big tit dance, which is just a joke. So you should have them play in the conference tournament because of the possibility. But what if they go all the way and win? Well, they're not going. Okay. Then let's not put them in. That's the dumbest rule. Or just once they declare their division one, and they have met requirement, now they're division one. The NCAA just does some things that always make you shake your head, but they got into into it a way. No, I'm pretty sure no other team has ever done that, where they lost in the championship of the tournament, but since the team that beat them can't go, they went. You know, it's, it's funny because somebody was asking me the other day, well, why wouldn't the conference just say, well. Since you lost, we're going to send a regular season champion instead of you. Reward them, and I'm not sure who won that that title in there in the NEC, but that would be um, that. That's what I would have done if I would say, was "You you could play," but if you lose, we're going to take the regular season winner, regardless if they lose, since they won the regular season. You got to make the regular season count for something. But uh, as far as Matt Painter could do, I'm not going to talk bad about him. i will let you handle that part. But he has lost in games that make people scratch their head, you know, like a few years back, Bill Self. Kansas would lose some games, but people had him winning the whole thing. Either.
2: Not like this, though. He's lost to three double-digit seeds in just a second to lose to a 16 seed. He lost to a 15 seed, a 16 seed, and a 13th seed. And I'm not saying the guy can't coach. I'm not saying the guy deserves to be fired. But at some point, don't come in cocky and overconfident. He was mad about Tobin's line about, well, you know, I think we match up well pretty well. We'll see. I'm glad he's got his own opinion. Like, shut up and stop being so smug and arrogant, dude.
3: Yeah, well, and what is Tobin supposed to say? Oh, we can't beat Purdue. There, we're going to lose that game. Yeah, he's going to comment. Tobin, Tobin is. If you saw him in his interviews, he's excitable. He goes a mile a minute. Sure. That's how I remember him, and I could see him telling his kids, "Hey, look, we, the old we're going to shock the world. We can beat them. I, I've seen the matchup. I've done the scout. We we can beat them. We're we're going to beat them because right now they're hanging their hat on. We are small, but we're hard to guard. And like he made a comment." The Big Ten doesn't do a whole lot of pressing. You know, they're more of a power league. You know, we're, we're, come on at us. We're, we're going to sit back here and wait for you. And they're not like that. Charlie Dickens is a lot different. Now, the style they play leads them to get beat. But if you get caught up in their web of how they play, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. And that's exactly what you made a comment about. Them kids didn't even take certain shots they should be taking. They were mesmerized. They were like, wow, we, we got a good chance of losing this game. And instead of going on the attack, they they backed up. And you know, in any sport where you start backing up on your heels, you know, you're 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 about done. And they were.
2: Well, what people love about this tournament is seven five seven Saturday sports talk powered by Larry King Law here on Priority Auto Sports Radio ninety-four point one. You want to chime in with us? You can do so at seven five seven, six eight seven, ninety-four ninety four. The pageantry of this tournament, the, the darlings, the underdogs, the Cinderellas, like your Furman, who's a thirteen seed, like your fifteen seed Princeton, and of course Nobody more fitting that bill than 16-seed Fairleigh Dickinson, which knocked off Purdue last night. If you're just tuning in, 63-58. They were a winner of the Boilermakers, the top seed and one of the favorites to get to the Final Four, maybe cut down the nets. And I think, AJ, don't get mad at me here. I think some of this becomes a little bit of an indictment on, I know your Terps are in the Big Ten. They used to be in the ACC. The Big Ten is a league because how many times have we now seen in recent years – Number two seed, turning favorite Michigan State, fall to Middle Tennessee at a Conference USA in a two fifteen shocker. We saw just a couple years ago a number two seed in Ohio State go down to fifteenth seeded Oral Roberts, who was my darling going into the tournament. They got smacked by Duke. That didn't happen too well, even though they had Max A. Smith and some key parts from that run a couple years ago. Just last year, Iowa was hot. They had you know big guy inside. Was it uh, was it Luca Garza last year? I think it was Luca Garza. They I mean they were, you know, Big Ten, I think turning or regular season champs. They lose to Richmond and Chris Mooney Spiders. And then this year, Purdue. I think the way the Big Ten plays, not saying these teams aren't good because they still got four or five candidates still alive with Northwestern and with Maryland and Michigan State among a couple others, they don't they don't have elite athletes at every spot where they can cover some of these guys. And you saw last night, as great as Edie is as a college big man, they went at him. They put him in pick and roll. Their perimeter guys were slow foot. They weren't athletic enough to guard guys in the perimeter. They have to change some of their styles and recruiting philosophies because the Big Ten in tournament play lately, round of 64 where we are, they struggled. They get exposed in certain spots. And furthermore, this goes back to something, Ed, that Jay Billis you know, was on the, he was leading the Soapbox for years ago. We had him on the show from the Booplex a few years back during the Hoop Group Southern Jam Fest. He was all about letting these players transfer right away. Remember, Cam Johnson went from Pitt to UNC, transferred within the league, and now he's with the, I think it's the Phoenix Suns, or he just got traded from the Phoenix Suns. But anyway, we have all these transfers in the sport, go be eligible to play right away. With all of that happening, I think the gap between the haves and the have-nots, if you will, or the perceived haves versus have-nots, the majors and the mid-majors, I think that gap has shrunk exponentially, where you look at today's lines, which we'll get to in the last segment in our picks, there's not a single double-digit favorite on the board today, not one, and the only one tomorrow is FAU over FDU, and nobody's going to say with utter confidence that they feel great about FAU winning outright and covering that spread without a shadow of a doubt, because now I see, see those multiple things. The transfer and all this movement, I think it's affected some of your power players. You have a lot of guys going one and done still. And then secondly, AJ, I think the Big Ten has had some rough patches. Now, they can shut me up quickly. if Michigan State, Northwestern, Maryland all make runs to the Elite Eight or deep in the tournament here. But I think the Big Ten as a league
0: has not been up to snuff against somebody's darlings, if you will. I mean, you you look at what Maryland did. 10 years ago. I think it was 10 years, maybe 11 years ago when they decided to join the Big Ten. At that point, it was viewed, at least in in the basketball sense, that, hey, Maryland's going to help shore up the Big Ten in the basketball side of things. Because, obviously, you always thought football, football, football. And in 2012, you were, what, uh, 10, 10, 12 years from Michigan State from winning their title. You know, Indiana was the powerhouse that they were supposed to be and, and stay that way. Uh, Purdue, again, that consistent team. But now you fast-forward 10 years – and you really haven't seen the Big Ten do anything. You've seen the hype. You've seen teams like Ohio State be ranked high. You've seen Maryland ranked high, and they have not been able to get it done. I, I'm not sure if it's, you know, the the way they play, as so much it's it's the luck of the draw.
2: Well, it could be. And to that point, Ed, you can chime in here on this because the Pac-12 hasn't had a champion since, what, Arizona did it. I mean, UCLA's come up close a couple of times here. The Big East is longer the Big East of the 80s days when you had Louis Carnesecca and P.J. Carlissimo and Raleigh Massimino and Big John, the late, great John Thompson and Jim Beheim, who just recently announced his retirement from Syracuse, and a guy in Rick Patino who may be going back to a Big East school. We shall see. He's waiting for Providence. He's waiting for St. John's. I hear Providence is where he wants to go, but we shall see if – If uh, Ed Cooley is to bolt for Georgetown or somewhere else, maybe he does that. If not, he could end up at St. John's as his backup plan. But the only leagues, even the ACC, is no longer as strong as it used to be. I think the only leagues that have, I wouldn't say benefited, but stayed the course here have been the Big 12 and the SEC. This has opened up for a lot of craziness come tournament time where these Shockers maybe shouldn't be as big a stunners as they used to be.
3: No, I mean, we went into this tournament saying, Oh, it's the most parity we've ever seen. Uh, I made a comment. I think that you could give justification for 20 teams to win the title. There's no one powerhouse team. Everybody's picking Alabama, but nobody wants to stay with Alabama because it ain't football. But
2: Well, them are Houston. You know, I, They're the co-favorites, I think you would say, right?
3: Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think right now Alabama's at least, um, hairline above everybody else.
2: I don't know. If Brandon Miller's got the groin injury and somebody's off-the-court issues circulating and we don't know about Marcus Sasser with Houston, I mean, they, those two are the, the two Vegas co-favorites. I think Houston's slightly ahead on some of the money lines or, or odds to win the whole thing with Bama right behind them. I mean, I think it's been those two, but I don't think they're as heavy of favorites as, say, Gonzaga and Baylor just a couple years ago.
3: Well, and the other thing is, we all try to get so analytical on why these upsets. I think sometimes you just stop and simply say, friendly Dickinson, you know, Furman. We haven't even talked about um, our beloved UVA going down again. Um, some of the, we, we underestimate some of these teams, the hearts of these kids. We don't understand that. We're not in that locker room where they are so happy to be there, but they don't just want to be there. They're coming at people. And, and as a coach, like when our team plays somebody that the whole world picks against us, I laugh and tell our kids, what are we worried about? Let's just go play. Nobody, including your parents, picking you to win. So let's just go play, do what we're supposed to do. Now we've got to try to capitalize on their mistakes. Let's try to turn their turnovers into points. You've got to play harder on D. We've got to control the boards. You've got to get rebounds. You know, you just kind of go that angle. And I think we forget this, the human element. We try to go analytical. Wow, this team is doing that. Well, they don't have transfers. The portal has definitely affected a lot. And it's affected in negative ways. Some of your power teams, for instance, we had the guy. Oh man, Matt, remind me his name from UNC. Covers UNC.
2: UNC. Andrew Jones. Yep.
3: Yeah, he talked about. Remember, I asked the question, "What's going on with Carolina?" And the world thought they would at least get back to the championship game. And he commented about the transfer portal from his idea that they picked up. I think it was three players, which is kind of surprising for a blue blood team like. Carolina to dig into the portal, but it's the way recruiting goes now. And two of the three um, transfers did not help them. So you look at Pitt, who picked up, I think, four kids out of the portal. Three of them have been fantastic for them. And the other one has been good, but not not a problem. So some of the power teams that picked up those transfers who thought it was going to be the way to do things didn't. Remember also some of these Furman, Fairly Dickinson, you know, a, a Florida Atlantic. Those teams have guys that have been there four, five years. So the consistency is strong. Remember when we talked about the one and dones can interrupt a team. Now, if they're that, that doggone good with Duke and Carolina's hat and the Kentucky's had in the past, they're going to carry you because they're pros for the most part. Well, I'm not so sh- I think we're swinging back to the other way now where teams that have guys that have been there a while, older, play together more consistency and better, are starting to, to rear up and, and, and win a few of these games.
2: Yeah, Well, even though seven of the first 12 games on Friday lacked some uh, drama, some spice with double-digit victories, we got some uh, entertaining storylines and finishes last night with, of course, 16-seeded Fairleigh Dickinson knocking out top-seeded Purdue in the East region. Also, some game winners with rallies by FAU over Memphis as well as TCU coming back to beat Arizona State so it does set up some interesting matchups for today and tomorrow in the round of 32 and you mentioned Pitt by the way with Jeff Capel's Panthers is a local presence with Kecoughtan grad and Hampton native Milan Brown has been on the show before Milan on that staff for the Panthers as they get set to take on Xavier the number three seed in the round of 32 There in Greensboro. We'll take a time out and hear from one of the heroes on the state championship side of things. Last Saturday for the Woodside Wolverines, that's Christian Greenlaw. He had a buzzer beater for the Wolverines who captured their third state championship in program history in Hampton University football signing. It's all coming your way here on
1: 757 Saturday Sports Talk. It's 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young.
3: And we welcome everybody back to what the uh, radio voice man said. It's Saturday morning, 757 Saturday morning Sports Talk here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. I'm the coach Ed Young. And... Obviously, last weekend, we got a chance to see our state tournament. Matt and, and I did broadcast of many of the games for the NFHS Network. And in one of those exciting games, the Woodside Wolverines come up with a state championship, but they did it in the craziest of ways. And we're going to find out right now, as Matt had the opportunity to catch up with Christian Greenlaw of those Woodside Wolverines. He is the Hampton University football signing who won that title with a shot. Right at the buzzer, we're going to talk to uh, talk to this young man and see what he had to say. Right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio, ninety-four point one.
2: All right, he's known as a multi-sport athlete committed to play his college football at Hampton University, and he's a basketball stud too. Christian Greenlaw gets a ton for the Wolverines today, the game winner at the buzzer, six points today, four rebounds. No bigger two points, no bigger rebounds than what you had at the end there. Christian, 54-52 over Patrick Henry Roanoke here in the state championship. Take me through what's going through your mind here, the last possession. Patrick Herney has the ball, they miss it. Trevor gets the rebound, you're running the floor. It's right there in your hands. You put it in as the horn sounds and all the emotion and jubilation afterwards.
4: It was a lot going through the um, last few seconds of the game. I know they missed the layup, and it was, a very, it was a very open layup. So even make or miss, we had to get it down the court and get a quick one before the buzzer sound. So when we got the um, miss, um, Trevor, we got the rebound. Kale pushed the ball up to Trevor, and I'm right behind Trevor, and he missed a lip, so I get the rebound, and I put it up. And I didn't know how much time was left, but I knew we had like a couple seconds left, so I put it up, and the sound the buzzer, and we became state champs.
2: Did you know it was good? Were you worried? Did it come after the buzzer? Or did it, I mean, what's going through the line as it well, does go through the net?
4: Well, I had no other options but to put it up, so it was either make or miss, and yeah. we had to live with the decision, so, yeah.
2: Coach has talked about this, Coach Stephon Welsh, about all the battles you've had in the PD with Menchville, who was unbeaten, you beat them at the scope, Kickatan, and just the road to get here, beating Maury twice, coming from behind in that state semifinal game. Uh, today, you're down by 16 against this Patrick Henry team. A,
4: what was so good about them? And B, be honest, did you maybe guys underestimate them to a degree at all? Or I think we didn't just uh, underestimate them. We came out a little slow. We got, they, we looked at them as the underdog, but we had to, just like rally together and get the win. And we you know we had all this time to be a team, but we had to use each other and we had to use each other down the stretch, even though some people weren't playing as good as the game as the first half. We had to use the group that was hot, which was Michael and we just had a ride together, and Trevor came, um, came hot at the end, and we know we had a, had a um, 25-0 uh, run, and we had a um, playoff other guys, so, yeah. You guys have blown some people out before. Have you ever been a
2: part of a run like that where you scored 25 unanswered? Trevor got hot from three, and I felt one of the key things was your defense on Abu Yarma. Have you ever been a part of something like that? And tell me about the defense as well.
4: I mean, I, we, we've been in situations like this, but not just like 25-0 runs in the state champs because... We we have past experience and we have learned since losing the Maury last year. We had to go through the whole year and boot camp, and that was that was a lot. So we just had to reflect and how we can win my senior year. And the defense was really like woodside woodside because Steph, we 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 just don't we're not a scoring team. We can play defense as well.
2: Yeah, what was the mindset partially, too? Because you know he's a very skilled, talented player, Abu, leading them in scoring, rebounding player of the year. What's it trying to be physical with him? What was kind of your mental strategy with it?
4: I think I just wanted to get in his head a little bit because I knew he was hitting shots and getting to where he wanted to and getting rebounds. And he was being a little out physical with me, but so I had to come back in. And- Getting his head a little bit so he can miss the oh, shots And We had to focus on the other shooters, so we had to close out all the, the fo- uh, key, uh, key players.
2: A couple more for you to let you run here. You know, you mentioned about the comeback Maury had against you a season ago, up 16, 17 points, they rallied to win. You guys had a lead and it slipped away late, nine with 5.52 to go. Did that in a way help you down the stretch where it was getting kind of hectic and crazy, could go anyway, maybe go to overtime? Did that kind of, was that in the back of your minds at all? Or what kind of helped you persevere through that moment?
4: Uh, well, our coach told us not to panic, and we know we took that as like deep. So we just had to, we had to come together and we had to get the game done over. And oof, how to say this? We we couldn't let what happened last year come over to this year and finish for my senior season.
2: Well put there. And lastly, Christian, uh, what's next for you and everybody? at Woodside? I know you're going to play college football at Hampton. I believe as a it's a tight end or DN. And then uh, yes, sir. Tight end or is it or DN? Tight end. Uh, Tight end. Tight end. Tight end. Celebration, I'm sure you're looking forward to getting back to, to Woodside and Newport News and, I guess, have a parade, if you will, with the people, right? Yes,
4: sir. It's going to be a lie. It's going to be a, it's going to be a lie.
2: Well, great job for Christian Greenlaw. The hero today as Woodside wins the state championship of third in school history. All the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. The madness began last week at the Seagull Center with a couple of 7-5-7 teams winning championships. First, it was the Princess Anne girls, 53-45 over LC Bird to follow up the victory by the Hampton girls in the Class 4 final just a couple days prior, and then the Woodside Wolverines on the boys' side with their third state championship. They won back-to-back in 2004-05 when Stephon Walsh was a player, went on to play at Arkansas, and Arkansas, by the way, will be in the round of 32 coming up later today against Kansas. We'll get to that in our picks later on here in 757 Saturday Sports Talk presented by Larry King Law on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. And Ed had the misfortune when he was coaching at Green Run to go up against Woodside, led them at halftime in one of those regional playoff games with Welsh and Calvin Baker and Willie Bell and uh, Sam Matupam and that crew. But uh, hadn't been back to the state finals in literally 18 years. They were down 16 in this game, Ed, in the third quarter. You and I looked like it was about to be done, we thought, and then they hit him with a burst that was – ungodly, as you like to say, 25 unanswered. Patrick Henry Roanoke gets down nine with 5.52 to go. They look dead in the water. Uh-uh, just like the NBA, just like these crazy college games. Not done yet. Patrick Henry has the ball with 10 seconds to go. Sidney Webb goes to attack, misses a layup. Woodside races up the floor. They miss a layup, but Christian Greenlaw with the putback, and it was the finish of this year's state tournament. It was.
3: <clears throat> it was a hard game. Kind of a hard game to, to, to do because we figured it would be close throughout. And of course, being 757 seven guys, we were kind of hoping Woodside would win. But when they got down, it was like, wow, what are they going to do? Because Patrick Henry's a pretty good team. Yeah, Well okay, it's a pretty good team. And to see, actually see up close that 25 point run, I, I'm still like, what ha- happened? Because it wasn't a whole lot of strategic moves. That caused it to happen. I think Woodside picked up their defense a lot more. I think it was a situation where the Woodside kids who were struggling scoring shots were now able to get better shots and put them in and get a couple key stops. But it was just like a tornado on the court that to come up with those points because that's hard to do against a good team. But it also kind of says something about how good you are to be able to do that against a good team. And, and of course, the end storybook finish. Um, You know, when Trevor Smith misses the layup, and it's like, oh, my God. Well, wait a minute. He got the rebound, but then Christian kind of stepped through because he didn't have a clear shot where he grabbed the rebound. There was people all over him. He stepped to his right, kind of tossed it up as he was falling. And I'm like, "Uh oh, does he have enough power to get that ball up in there? And I remember seeing the ball on the backboard, and then the lights go off, which means he got the shot up Mm -hmm. plenty of times. And it comes back through, and pandemonium begins there because he's on the bottom of the pile because everybody in the – and it seemed like an arena jumped on top of him. I was thinking, Hope that kid can breathe down there. And it's a storybook ending where he will never, ever forget that. It's a dream where you make the winning shot for your team to win a state title. And, and as we see, he's not going to play, quote, organized basketball again because he's going into football. Um, It's just a tremendous storybook uh, finish for for them.
2: Yeah. Heartbreaking for Patrick Henry, but certainly pandemonium, like you said, for Woodside and just a thrill of a lifetime. And, uh, I think you nailed it with Tornado on the court. That's how it was during that 25 run. And then to lose the lead when you get up nine, you, you wonder how you recover. If it goes to overtime or you lose on a buzzer beater and they got it done as they got the ball with enough time to go race on the court and beat Patrick Henry in shocking fashion, 54-52. The PA girls, which we didn't hit on for a second. I think, by the way, Trevor Smith will likely get Class 5 state player to year. He hit three crucial threes in the third quarter after a rough one of six start. Finished up with 17 points, four assists, and three steals in that win. For the Class 5 girls, they took down Norview and Menchville in somewhat surprising fashion, but it's never surprising when Darnell Dozier gets a ring. It's his 13th, lucky number 13, unlucky number 13, whatever you believe, Zakiah Stevenson, the Ole Miss signee with 24 points, 9 of 13 from the line with 5 rebounds, 5 steals, 3 assists, playing all 32 minutes as PA beat Elsie Bird 53-45. They had to rally as well because Byrd led this game by 5 and actually led this game, Ed, uh, I think by a couple points in the fourth quarter, but PA got it done with their pressure defense points off turnovers to prevail over Bird to win another championship. This one was not as expected as maybe the other 12 were.
3: No, I, I think um, that to me was a, definitely a toss-up game. Bird athletic, they had a tremendous guard. Oh, I love the way.
2: You're talking about uh, Kaya Smith, right?
3: Yeah, I'll use the kid's word of swag on the courthouse. She played so fluidly, crossover dribbles behind the back behind a back path, um, tremendous player, didn't shoot the ball very well. And I think that hurt them in a couple of situations where they needed a bucket. And when she launched the shot, it wasn't going down. But then again, PA, um, I mean, what can you say when we, we laugh when we look at Darnell Dozier's record, it looks like one of those video game records, like, you know, over 700 wins and, Less than 70 losses. He's
2: playing NBA 2K or Madden on cheat mode. He's got all the all-star players. But he didn't have all the all-star players this year, although Stevenson should get state player of the year.
3: She was tremendous. She ran that team all year. And and in the tournament, put them on their shoulders. I, I loved how she was leading by voice, pointing, talking to the, her teammates, not necessarily screaming at them, but talking to them, bringing them through. And then her play. She let her play, take care of the business, hit key shots when you need them, grabbed the rebound, made the right pass did so many things but again pa you know the pa girls and the hampton girls they they're role players uh, hampton's girls of course are led by um the young lady uh, harris i think it is going yep, to Kennedy uh, harris. Yep. george mason she's the she's the star she does everything she gets all the ink but the my point is stevenson harris get the ink but the rest of those girls have done a tremendous job of playing the roles doing what they're capable of doing which is going going to help you because a lot of teams have a star and they're not playing for state titles. Mm. They're not even in a championship. They're not even in the state tournament. So what does that say? Well, maybe some people just didn't do what they're exactly supposed to do. High school, sometimes a lot of jealousy comes through. And sometimes with the coaches, especially younger coaches, sometimes it's harder to gel them when you have a stud player and you don't want to lose out on that player. So you might not push that player quite as hard as the other ones, and then Mm -hmm. the other ones don't necessarily fit the puzzle, which is how you make a a championship team. You have to have pieces to a puzzle. You don't teams that win a state title don't have the 12, 13 best players in that building or whatever. It's just the pieces that fit the best together. Those those two teams, especially uh, PA, getting another title, you know, it's just tremendous to watch.
2: Yeah, it's a credit to those coaches like Darnell Dozier at Princess Inn and Sean DeBilly at Hampton to get the role players to accept their roles and buy in to play alongside the marquee-leading players like a Kennedy Harris at Hampton, like a Zacchaeus Stevenson at Princess Inn. And, of course, we know about Trevor Smith leading the way at Woodside, but the other pieces. Certainly kept the belief under Stefan Welsh for Woodside as the 757 7 teams went a perfect 3-0 and in the state finals last week at VCU. We'll have more time to go through some uh, conversations with some of those players and coaches. You heard from Sean DeBilly last week. You heard from Christian Greenlaw today. Maybe you'll hear from Darnell Dozier as well as Stephon Welsh and some other standouts like Kennedy Harris in the weeks to come here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. Before we go to break, real quickly, AJ, Ed, do you guys know what the best kept sports secret NVA is? How about you, AJ? Do you know what I'm going in for? Virginia right now? Best kept secret. It's happening today at four o'clock. He's clue. How about you, Ed? Do you know where I'm going with this?
3: Yeah, I, I know we. I know where you're going. You sure? Where you're going. Absolutely.
2: Where am I going?
3: I've got sources too. And you think you got all the sources? By the way, just for the record, I have lost. Even though I'm out of it, I lost 11 1st round games in the NCAA tournament. Um, thank you, Princeton. Thank you, Dickinson. Thank you, Furman. Um, but you did I go 11-1 to...
2: and one in state finals last week to beat my 8-4, and four. so you do have bragging rights on me for something. Now, which one did I lose? You lost the Clark County Central Wise game. And I was, by the way, I was 5-1 and on the boys game. Only game I missed was I did go with P.H. Roanoke against Woodside. I went against our local team, which was looking good for three quarters until that comeback.
3: Yeah, um, so let's mark that down. A.J., put that in the uh, archives forever. A young beats
2: I had field 11 Forever eight. Young. Well, we're short on time. Where am I going before we go to break here? What's, what's happening at 4 o'clock today since you know this all?
3: Well, from what the sources tell me, at first we thought you were getting married, and we figured, no, there's no woman dumb enough. So there's a possibility we're going to see that face locally on – and, A.J., I know you're going to fall out when you hear this. We might see Matt Hadfield on local TV.
2: Well, that is true, but that's not where I was going with 4 o'clock today. I am back on television. I did a show called Sports Report. In fact, did it with four different co-hosts, one of which was Andy Michal from ODU uh, on the football color side of things. But uh, you can see me on Live in 757 if you do want to watch that on your local Cox channel and also coming up on Thursday on Sky 4. as we, do, we are doing some sports features, including one that has to do with some local players that we just touched on. But what I was going with at 4 o'clock today is you were wrong yet again, Ed. Wrong, wrong. Uh, Four o'clock today, Christopher Newport University playing for a national championship oh, in Men's College Hoops Division Three. Shame on you. John Krikorian that... shaking his head right now. We didn't put John on today because you know you would jinx him. I didn't jinx Jack Castleberry, but today they're taking on the Mount Union Raiders at Allen County War Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as CNU tries to join recent Virginia Division Three schools like Randolph-Macon last year and Virginia Wesleyan several years ago to win national titles. John Hines leading the way, the Norview grad whose dad you coached incidentally back in the day.
3: Yeah, Danny Hines, tremendous athlete for me at Norview. I cannot believe I forget CNU's playing for a title. The we all, the whole world's got to push for for John and those kids to get it done. Thank God they're not playing them Mount Union football because Mount Union is something like, what? They won nine oh, or ten they're tough. national titles in, in football. Um, they're just an unbelievable juggernaut in football. And don't know about basketball, but if you're in a title game, you must be good. But come mm-hmm. on, CNU, uh, make us proud with, with like, uh, um, of course, uh, Dave Macedo's done at Wesleyan. And, of course, um, uh, what Randolph Makin has done and our good friend up there, too.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Josh Merkel. You're forgetting Josh Merkel's name. Who we had on last year after he won the title. We want to have these guys after they win it because if we have them afford a championship game, you'll jinx the crap out of them.
3: Well, it's not so much my jinx because I can name you at least 15 people I've interviewed and they did well and I can name you three or four that you've interviewed and it's been disaster for them. But, you know, that's how things go. But let's go CNU. And again, AJ, I still can't get over Hatfield on TV. You know, we talk about for radio which my mom used to say was me but we're talking about a body that's good for radio not tv and that's hatfield
2: wow. well we're going to take a timeout and come back with today's picks for the college hoops ncaa tournament on priority auto sports radio
1: 94.1 hampton roads has a long running high school and college sports tradition it's time to give them the spotlight they deserve This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. Before
2: we turn it over to our friends at Westwood One with the NCAA round of 32 tournament coverage here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. It's time for some picks here for the round of 32 in Saturday's action with the coach Ed Young. I'm Matt Hatfield, AJ Rister as well. AJ, give us the lineup of games and the spreads and you can start it off with your first pick.
0: All righty, let's get this started off. They're looking to continue their magic after beating UVA Number 13, Furman taking on number five, San Diego State. Right now, San Diego State uh, is at minus five and a half. Look, I didn't have either of these teams here, so I'm going to stick with the upset. I'm going to take Furman on this one.
2: You're not alone with neither of these teams. I'm going to go with SDSU to win, but Furman to cover. Ed?
0: San Diego State.
2: All right. What's next, AJ?
0: All right. Up next, uh, Duke. Versus Tennessee, number five seed Duke, number four seed Tennessee. Duke is right now a three and a half point favorite. I like I like the Blue Devils in this one.
2: I like them too. Maybe big. They've been blocking shots with Derek Lively. Derek Whitehead has come off the bench and been great. Rick Barnes he choked in a big spot. Ed,
3: I'm going to at Tennessee lose, and I think Duke beats
2: all right, what's next?
0: All right, a, a one seed looking to stay in the tournament. Number one, Kansas. They're taking on number eight, Arkansas. Uh, Kansas right now, three-and-a-half-point favorite. They rolled in round one. I'm going to keep them rolling here. Kansas takes the win. Ed? Kansas, but this could be a very interesting game.
2: I like Arkansas a lot, but KU wins at Rock Chalk. Jayhawk, the running champs move on.
0: Speaking of an upset, number 15, Princeton, fresh off their win over number two seed, Arizona. They're taking on number seven, Missouri. Right now, Missouri is a six and a half point favorite. This one, I'll keep the magic stopping, or I'll have the magic stopping. I'm taking Missouri on this one.
2: Don't love Dennis Gates' Missouri Tigers, but give me Uncle Moe in Missouri to cover the six and a half. Ed? Missouri by 10. Ooh, by 10, he says. All
0: right. Another one seed looking to stay in at Houston right now. They are a five point favorite over Auburn. I want to take Auburn, Do but it. I'll give Houston one more round. I'll take Houston.
2: Auburn's guards keep them in the game and you in the game. Houston beats them despite Sasser's question mark and injury. And I got a hunch Ed's going to go with the upset and your buddy Bruce Pearl. I I,
3: I want Houston so bad. I'm, I'm, I'm going Auburn in the upset.
2: Ooh, we like the other Bruce Pearl from Virginia Beach better. What's next?
0: <laughs> uh, Penn State, they are on fire if you go back to the end of last season and then through this tournament so far. They're taking on Texas. Right now, Texas, a five-and-a-half point favorite. I will take the upset. I Ooh. will take Penn State to beat Texas.
2: Give me Texas straight up but Penn State to cover the five-and-a-half as I hedge here. Ed?
3: I'm going Texas, but hey, what about Penn State Michigan State? We were blasting the Big Ten earlier, but – who would have fun it? those two teams are still surviving.
0: Jalen Pickett is good for Penn State. Next. Uh, up next, another Big Ten team, Northwestern. They take on number two, UCLA. UCLA right now, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I Look, I have UCLA winning this whole thing, so I'm going to take them to at least cover in this game as well.
2: Sorry, Will, Bond, and Greeny. I'm going with UCLA over your beloved Northwestern, Ed.
3: I'm going with A.J. UCLA in a double-digit win.
0: All right. Fear the Turtle, Maryland, Alabama, 940 tonight. Right now, Alabama is a nine-point favorite. A lot of and I would love to say that Maryland will win this game, but as someone that has watched them this entire <laughs> year, if they are anywhere but back in Maryland playing, they will lose by 50. Unfortunately, I have to pick Alabama.
2: All right. I'm going to go with Bama Fear of Brandon Miller. He's not having two bad games in a row. Ed? Bama, I man, it's
3: basically a home
4: game for
0: him.
2: All right. Do we have enough time? You probably don't for tomorrow, but give us the lineup, and let's pick an upset of the lineup real quick. Pick one All right, upset number 11,
0: Pitt. Number three, Xavier. Xavier, minus five and a half. Uh, Kentucky, Kansas State. Right now, Kentucky, minus two. Michigan State, Marquette. Marquette right now, minus three. I'm actually going to take Michigan State in that game. All
2: right, so that's going to be your, uh, well, that's your upset then, right?
0: Yep, that'll be my upset. All right, rest
2: are going Michigan State. What's the rest we
0: got? Uh, let's see, St. Mary's versus number four, UConn. Right now, Connecticut, minus three and a half. Creighton versus Baylor. Right now, Baylor minus one and a half. Ooh. Number 16, looking to keep the magic going on. Fairly Dickinson taking on Florida Atlantic. Right now, FAU is a 12 and a half that's point a lot of favorite. that's a lot of points against a team that just beat a one seed. Yeah. Uh, number five, Miami My taking on. Laranega. Number four, Indiana. Right now, Indiana only a point and a half favorite. Uh, and then lastly, TCU, Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a four and a half point favorite.
2: I don't see any today. I think it could be all chalk. Tomorrow is three or four. You mentioned one. Possibly Michigan State. Possibly with TC over Gonzaga. Possibly with Creighton over Biddle. But I got to go with Laranaga and the Canes with Jordan Miller, who made a big defensive play in that comeback versus Drake. Give me the Canes as a slight one-and-a-half-point dog to knock off Mike Woodson and the Hoosiers if they can cover Trace Jackson Davis. What's your upset tomorrow, Ed? Give us one.
3: Oh, man. I'm going to go on a limb with this because it's a touchy, touchy game. I think
0: Pitt and knock
2: down Xavier. Wow, he's going with our guy Milan Brown, Jeff Capel, and the Panthers to get it done over to Musketeers. I and mean, Sean Pitt,
0: Pitt's another team that looked impressive in that they first did. round. Pitt they played great defense
2: great defense yesterday in their win. Uh, they got it done with some excellent, excellent defense to march on to the round of 32, knocking out Iowa State. It was a little bit of a fraud this year, too. All right, that's going to do it, I think, for 757 Saturday Sports Talk. We are just about out of time. Ed, this was fun. Go do another bracket, and your women's bracket's intact because you got South Carolina, right?
3: South Carolina win it. The women so far, I think I've missed. the lost two games.
2: Gamecocks over Huskies in the final. Gino versus Dawn. That's going to do it for AJ Rissler and the coach Ed Young. on Matt Hatfield. Coming up next, stand by. It's NCAA March Madness tournament coverage right here from our friends at Westwood One here on Priority Auto Sports Radio ninety four point one.